Uh, Malcolm Gladwell talks about the 10,000 hour rule, right? And outliers and things of that nature. And I realized looking back that that was my 10,000 hours. I was reading, I was watching videos, I was listening to podcasts and webinars of these amazing people and I was absorbing so much information from all these different directions. And so now I have this wealth of wisdom to be able to pour out and it's not necessarily mine, it's just that I'm a translator for that for people. I can listen to what they're, they're saying and what they're going through and I can become a portal through which they can step and be able to say, um, to create a prism, a, a framework for them to be able to reimagine, to, re, to, to reframe the purpose, perspective of their lives. And I can do that because I had to go through that process too. I went through that painful process of, of beating myself up because I couldn't figure out what was special about me. I couldn't figure out what I was meant to be able to do. Before we got started here, yeah. we were chatting a little bit, and now I know you're a business coach. I know that you've got this program. It's something like Seven Figure Circle, something or other. Right. And I've been following you for, I want to say like six months or so, and you've consistently upgraded. You've consistently put out writing that's been really inspiring and super well written. And I can just tell reading your posts, seeing your content, that there is a depth of wisdom and knowledge in you that I was super excited to uh, excavate, you know, um, it's like, uh, it's, it's very intriguing to me. And so I want to know, no one gets into business coaching, especially when they have three kids that they need to put food on the table for, mm. um, by chance. It's not something that you do lightly. So I'm very curious in your situation, what were the experiences, probably really intense experiences that a lot of us couldn't relate to? What have you been through that has kind of inspired you and pushed you to become a business coach at this level with a family? Well, first of all, I want to appreciate you for um, the, the kind words. Uh, thank you for, for consuming my writing. Um, I know I write some long posts. I, I kind of took Facebook and turned it into a blog format uh, because I had an audience there and it kind of, kind of made sense to be able to share thoughts that I was experiencing or just in, encountering things that I wanted to share more widely with the world. And so the journey to becoming a business coach um, actually is about, it involves two points that are probably about 10 years apart. And um, the first being about a couple of years ago and the first being about 11 years ago. Or so uh, the second being about a couple of years ago and the first being about a couple of years ago, about 11 years ago. And what happened was um, I had moved to Atlanta from Alabama where I had started my first business. Um, I, the idea was that I was going to be in the music industry in which, you know, I, I began my career there as a writer and producer. Um, but in the process of doing that, I had started a business about five or six years before that where I had bought a commercial pre-cleaning franchise, which allowed me to have the flexibility to be able to do music more full-time, and then I could kind of work it around my schedule. And so that worked out pretty well, and so eventually I moved to Atlanta with some other um, colleagues, and we were working this whole music career thing. 
and uh, kind of transitioned from being on the creative side to more on the business side. And as I was doing that, um, got to a head where I had this job where I was working as a junior publicist for artists. I was still had my business on the side and I was still pursuing the music writing careers, if you will. And everything kind of came to a head in one particular week where I ended up losing my job, where I wasn't getting paid as I was supposed to be getting paid. I almost totaled my car in, that, in an accident where I almost died three times in one, in one accident. So, and I got the car repoed the following week. Um, I found myself sitting in my aunt's basement with no job, no money, no car, no idea what I was going to be doing. And so through a series of events, I, I ended up buying this car from a friend of mine. And one of the contingencies was he was in this multi-level marketing um, business. I can't even remember what it was called now. But he said, well, you just invest in this and you can that'll be part of paying for the car. So I said, all right, fine. And in that process, they started sending these success magazines by Darren Hardy. And at the end of every success magazine was this little CD that had all these motivational thoughts. So you've got things from Jim Rohn and Tony Robbins and Les Brown and all these different people, all these different motivational speakers. And so I would put the CD in my car while I'm driving to my, my new job, which I eventually got. And the crazy thing about it was all the wisdom and insight that was coming from that CD was just lighting my, my brain on fire. And so I also had a friend of mine who uh, turned me on to Mike Dillard. Um, some of people, some of your audience may know Mike Dillard, who is a um, self-made man. He had, he had this podcast, but before that, it was a blog that he sent via email. And so I would just consume those emails and I'm listening to these CDs and it really set me on this path of self-development and personal growth. And I was always a reader from the time that I was young, but this just kind of opened up a whole new world for me. And so I was absorbing all of this information, even as I'm in the music industry and even as I'm, you know, an entrepreneur and other things and pursuing other pursuits. I'm just absorbing this wisdom and these things. And so I just started studying so many different people, learning so many different things. So fast forward to um, 2000, uh, this is 2018, right? Let me ask, uh, sure. what age, can you give me a timeline on your age on these different sections of your life? I'm really curious. Yeah, so I started my first business when I was 26. Um, and I was still singing in a singing group back in Alabama. I moved to, I moved to Atlanta when I was, let's see, this was 2009. So I was 34, right, 34. And um, so that's old to be getting into the music industry from a artist standpoint. But as a songwriter, you know, I still had some flexibility. So I'm 45 now. <clears throat> so this is a couple of years ago, 43, when I started making this transition again. So in between this time, I've gone from being in the creative side to being a artist, a uh, artist manager, to being a publicist, to be working in a PR firm. I was a partner in a PR firm for several years. And then I left that firm and I went to start my own marketing agency and kind of evolved from doing PR to marketing and branding because I was seeing the overlap between the ways that messaging and communication was coming out. 
And I was more passionate about being creative in many different ways. And yet still, like, I did not have a passion for the nuts and bolts of marketing in terms of uh, running ads and things of that nature. I couldn't find a particular skill set that I just loved to dive deeper into and really master. But the thing that kept coming up for me was um, coaching, because even on sales calls, I would want to coach the entrepreneurs on what they should be doing, right? And so that was the bigger challenge for me. I, I need to be selling them on my services, not coaching them on how to get better. Um, but what I came to realize was that even from the age of when I was maybe 15 or 16, I was always mentoring younger kids. So I used to work at a summer camp in the summers and I would take them under my wing. You know, sometimes kids would get homesick or they would have disputes or whatever. And you would kind of have to have little heart to heart chats with them. Right. So that they could begin to understand deeper wisdom or if you will, or just kind of get them to, to cope with being there for the whole week. And then I became a assistant camp director and I'm, so I'm kind of leading teams and things of that nature. And that, I would talk about that in my book. It was an epic fail um, to some degree. But I learned a lot of different things and I realized over that process that I love to share wisdom about things that I was learning. So fast forward again, back to um, maybe circa 2012, 2013. And I'm starting to have more conversations with friends of mine who are entrepreneurs, who are interested in leveling up their lives. And I would always end up having these conversations, maybe after church or, or after dinner somewhere, or we're going out to hang out. And we would be having many masterminds where I'm kind of sharing things with them that I've, I've learned. And so they would always see me as kind of this, I don't want to say a guru, but this guy who would spark these interesting thoughts for them. And then maybe a couple, maybe about three years ago, a group of young ladies asked me to coach them in a coaching group. And so it became an impromptu monthly coaching program where I started kind of setting up the ways that they could learn how to level up in their business and things of that nature. And so at that time, I still wasn't thinking about taking this as a professional course, um, you know, a professional path to be a coach, but I really enjoyed it. I loved sharing the things that I was learning and I realized I was good at it. I had a real knack for it. And so as I started doing that, and I'm still in my mind, I'm running this marketing agency, but it's floundering, I'm struggling, I can't seem to get my head right. And ever since I left the PR firm, which was back in 2013, I was about, I was 40. And so I'm struggling with this, I'm struggling with what I, my purpose is, what I'm supposed to be doing. I, I had this sense that I should be doing something great. I, I felt like I had a real talent, but I didn't understand what, what that was. I felt like I should be much further ahead. And I was in this fog all the time. And so through a series of events, um, as, as always, I was led to a coach. Uh, his name was Brian Ryder. And Brian, um, I got into this program with him and Initially, he was helping me to kind of figure out what my solution was for my clients, right? And so very simple process, but for me, I could not, for the life of me, figure out what that meant, right? And so I finally sent him a message and said, hey, man, I just feel like I don't have a solution. And he told me something that really, like, it blew my mind and it changed my life really forever. He said, God doesn't make people without solutions. And when he said that to me, it's like a light bulb went off. It's like a bomb exploded in my head. I said, oh, I was created with a solution. Well, how come I don't know what that solution is? Why, why haven't I ever 
figured out what that is. Why didn't anyone ever tell me what that was? And so it set off a, um, a journey for me of discovery. And so it led to me writing my first book called Breaking, Breaking Orbit, which I released late last year. Breaking Orbit, Rip Out of the Regular by Unearthing the Power Within. And it talks about how we can all discover the gift with which we were created and how we can impact the world in a way that we were uniquely designed to do. And so once I started understanding that, then it, it really unleashed things for me. And I said, you know, I can't just go around doing this thing. I mean, it's great that I, I like marketing, but I, I'm not passionate about it. What I'm really passionate about is pouring into other people, helping them to get unstuck, but using business as a way to be able to help them to understand that there's a greater truth. There's a greater power that is inside each and every one of us. And that business is just a vehicle, right? And that we have these stories about who we are and what we're supposed to be. And these stories are things that have been given to us by so many other people. But um, in reality, um, well, there, there's, there's just so much more than just the business. So much. I, I have so many questions that are just stacking up in my head now. And we're never going to get to all of them already <laughs> with just what you've said. But the, the next thing I want to ask you about is I'm, I'm so inspired listening to this already and like why you got into this and what you're passionate about. Can you tell me a story or two of some people that you've worked through this with or people that have read your book that have worked through this on their own and like where do they start and where do they get to? Because I don't want to say end up because of course it's, it's never over, but like what are some trajectories of people that you've helped with this? So it's funny, I just had a conversation with a friend of mine who uh, we were college, um, we went to college together and uh, he was a little bit older than me. You know, I, matter of fact, I, I really, I looked up to him. He's a cool guy on campus. All the girls, you know, him and his boy, they, you know, they, all the girls really wanted to, to, to hang out with them. And um, so I wouldn't say I was envious, but I, I admired him. And it was funny because he sent me a message. He had bought my book and he read it. And he's an entrepreneur. And he was just telling me how inspired he was by the book. And it's funny when somebody says that to you, right? It, it kind of, um, it's an out-of-body experience to have that happen. Because you're, you're looking at it like this is somebody that you look up to. And they're telling you how much something that you created has empowered them to be their better self, right? And so he says mm -hmm. it's like a, a reference book for him. He, he, he's able to go back to it and, and grind um, and, and be able to really focus on what it is he's, he's capable of doing, right? And, and to me, that was, that was so powerful because it's all I ever wanted to do. I just wanted people to be able to understand what is possible. I think about um, one of my clients um, that I think is one of my, I usually one of my greatest case studies, right? He, um, we actually used to do music together. And uh, we had collaborated for years over time, but he was in a process where he was kind of questioning whether he should get out of the game because he kept trying and trying and trying to get to move up and to get his music placed, um, to get artists to, to record it and do that. And he was doing it on a smaller level, but not in a major level that, that we had all dreamed of doing. And he was working a full-time job at a logistics company, making about $40,000 a, a year. And so he he discovered, you know, that he could create this other company selling music samples. And so um, he was doing that on the side and thought, well, you know, I'm going to kind of sell this, this stuff and save up enough money and maybe quit my job in about six months. And the company fired him in three months. 
You know, they call him into the office and say, you know, we don't think you're really, your head's in the game anymore. Uh, we're going to let you go. And so it forced him to have to make that decision, right? And so all the things that we were talking about, now he was able to kind of leverage that and build that into a company where he's making $40,000 on one job. He made almost $150,000 in his first year. And so the next year, this year, he will make easily double or triple that because he's had the opportunities continue to increase. That's because he's been able to level up in his focus and, and, and understanding where he really fits, what his skill sets and his gift really is, and being able to level up in that regard. And so I look at those, those two examples alone, and, and there are others, uh, other conversations I'll be able to have with people uh, and other coaching that I've been able to give people that, that has been able to empower them and it's not, I wouldn't even say so much because of me, right? But it's just being, I'm, I, I view myself as a portal to be able to help people to understand, to step through and understand what's possible for them and who they can really be. And that, that's, that's the most rewarding thing. And I, I just look forward to being able to share that with as many people as possible. That's, that's just awesome to hear. So then I can imagine, like as people are watching this interview, and they're hearing you speak, especially with such like energy. And they hear these stories about your client success. And so many people have dreams of, of doing what you're doing, of being a coach, of helping others, of spreading wisdom. And you mentioned something when you were telling me the story earlier, where you said everyone has known you kind of always for a very long time as that guy who has like this knowledge and this wisdom and like the, the coach friend of theirs, right? Even way before you did this. Mm -hmm. And so... I'm very curious, two questions sort of, but they might be the same answer. Number one, at what point in your life did that become a piece of your identity? Yeah. Like the guy who knows things, that old soul? And the second question, which could be the same answer is, when you were growing up, was there someone that you looked up to that held that space for other people? That's a very good question. Um, well, firstly, for me, it's I don't think that I really fully inhabited that space as somebody with wisdom until um, probably a couple of years ago. And it wasn't it was probably right before I really stepped into the coaching uh, framework uh, as an identity for myself. I, and I, that probably is because I never really thought of it as being wise. I was just sharing things that I'd heard or, you know, I read. Um, when you talk about somebody that was, when I was younger, there's someone, that, yeah, there have been several people, a series of people that have held that space for me, you know. Uh, my father was a minister growing up, and um, we, we, did, we were not especially close growing up, but I think his example of sharing knowledge and wisdom and caring for people and the example he set of his work ethic of always showing up of doing the little things of being in service for people i think that was something that set a foundation for me that is very um very impactful even to this day right it's the approach that i live for my life it doesn't matter if i am keynoting a a talk on a stage i still have the desire to make sure that <clears throat> If there's a chair out of place, I'm not too big to be able to put those things, you know, pick up trash on the floor, whatever the case may be. 
I can help set up the chairs or sweep the floor. It doesn't matter to me because it's all a part of creating the environment for people to be able to hear the message and to succeed um, in growing and leveling up in their lives. And so I think about my father, I think about um, different men, even when I was at summer camp, you know, when I was a camper and there were older men, gentlemen who were mentors for me. Jake, uh, who ended up being my, my coach in, in, in college. Um, uh, I think about uh, Doc Hughes. I think about um, my, my, my god brother, Franklin Purnell, who um, was, a, was a, 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 a anchor for me in terms of, of relationships when I was going through my ups and downs with young ladies and dating and that whole process and doubting myself, you know. So um, I think I posted this on my Facebook page uh, a few weeks ago, but you know, we, we men are the sum of many men that come before us, right? They've all poured into us in some way. And so even now, um, conversations that I'm having with people that I've recently met online, um, the inspiration that you get when you see uh, another man or, or, or another young lady or woman holding a particular space as a leader um, for, for an idea, for a concept, for a stance in this world. I look at them and, and they help to mold me as well. I think that in many ways we calibrate each other so that we continue to be able to, 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 to take the path that allows us to reach higher heights, um, to be able to inspire others as well. It, it's, not, it's not a linear thing. We are all interconnected. There's a web of, of, of passion and a web of love and a web of, of understanding that comes about when we connect to one another in intimate ways, right? When our minds connect and our hearts connect. So so that brings up another pair of questions that could also be a similar answer. Okay. And I, I'm like, now I'm just realizing that like this pair of questions might, you might be one of the best people to ask this set of questions to. Okay. So you said that there were many people that helped mold you and you just presented this idea that there's people in our lives and, and we're sort of a mold of all of them. We're the sum of all the inspirations we've gotten from people that uh, were great mentors uh, or just, you know, adult figures or even younger, just people that inspired us in life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, uh, you wrote a book about tuning into, you know, so to speak, your calling and like really uh, letting that out and letting that fulfillment flow. So my question is, number one, how do you, I, I kind of want to say like take advantage or recognize the, like, like you didn't have all these mentors that were wise people in your life. Like everyone has these people in their life. They all knew the same people that you did growing up. Mm -hmm. Why did they stick to you and why do they stick to your memory more than maybe someone else? And number two, at what point did you recognize or was it kind of you always recognized it but maybe didn't accept it that they were drawn to you because you were going to hold a similar place in other people's lives that they held in yours as that, you know, wise advisor figure. And how can other people find that in their own life and, and start to recognize those, um, we'll call it coincidences. I think that those people stick out to me because they were willing to take me aside and to talk to me when I was struggling with certain things. And even though, in various capacities that may have been their, their actual 
job or role at the time. There's a, there's a kindness and compassion with which a leader can approach helping someone through a challenge, right? And so there's a difference between a boss <clears throat> saying, you need to crack into shape, you need, you need, to, you need to figure this thing out because we're going to have to let you go or you're messing up versus somebody saying, hey, your approach right now is it's not working, but here's why. Why don't you try this? You know, there's a sort of compassion that goes with that, which, which kind of feeds into the value that, that I was able to see for myself, right? And because as a young person, you're still discovering your own value and your own worth. You have no idea what your purpose is. You think that you're out here trying to do this job or whatever for whatever, you know, money that you're trying to make or whatever purpose that you're trying to accomplish or just to pass the time. And so in that space, you need people that are going to reach out and feed into you, um, that are going to be able to look you into, into your eyes and say, I see you as valuable, that you have something to offer. And so whether they use those words or not, the fact that they spent time meant something to me because it, I didn't feel like I was a person that was worthy of spending time with. I had a lot of insecurities. Um, and looking back now, I realized that it probably wasn't even so much that I was dealing with a unique insecurity. It's just that young people have those. But you know, when we look back over our lives, we kind of feel like, oh, that's, that's what it is for me. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm broken in some way. I'm flawed in some way. And I think we just all experience similar things and the compassion with which they were able to um, show that time and attention and care of saying, hey, you know, you, you're, there's something about you and I don't know what it is. And I don't even know that they thought I was necessarily special, but they, they recognized that I had value in that particular space, the place where I was at. And I think the other part of it was that my mother always taught me, listen to older people when they're talking. You know, she taught me two things about that. Listen to them, and if they give you things, take it whether you like it or not, right? Sometimes people will give you things, and you may not really see the value in it. But if you take it, they will appreciate the fact that you're grateful, and sometimes they will give you something that you really want. And in the case of so many of these other mentors, they fed life into me by speaking these words. And I didn't always understand the advice that they were giving me. I didn't, you know, it, it didn't, it didn't really resonate with me all the time. I'm young. I don't really have context for it. But as I got older, I started to understand the value of one, the older mentors or mentors in general pouring into other people. Um, and then two, <clears throat> I learned the value of just listening, right? Um, because you can absorb things. And I was able to turn around and give this insight to other people or at least to be a translator for them to be able to navigate their own discovery, their own path of discovery, right? And so as they did that, um, it allowed me to have a way to show up. And I realized that this is a powerful way to show up in the world, that there are more people that are needed to be able to do this. And that, honestly, we're all called in our own ways to be leaders, to share our gift. And I, I talk about that in the book, in, in Breaking Orbit. I talk about the fact that we think that leaders are born or that they have a particular um, build, right? That they, that they have a resonance or a charisma or a presence. And what I really believe is that your gift is that core thing, right? When you are operating in your gift, you will be charismatic in that way. You might have a kid who is extremely nerdy, you know, and insecure and shy on the basketball court or when he's talking to girls, for instance. But when he's in there talking about computers, he's a wizard. 
And if you and you see the light go on in his eyes, he has a particular way of navigating that that space that shows that that's that's where he's meant to show up. Right. So it's not so much about the job that he's doing, but he's able to use his gift in that particular area. And it really it really speaks to him. And I, I just want people to understand that it's not about your job. It's, it's not that some people are more special than others. We're all special and powerful in our own way. And once you discover your gift, it allows you to tap into that. And you can create a life that has exponentially more impact, exponentially more joy, exponentially more amounts of love, um, and just influence when you're, able to, when you're able to step into that gift. So I've got uh, a very short story to help people really not just conceptually understand this, but experientially understand it. Kind of go with me on this short story. Sure. And then I've got a question to follow that up with uh, because you're just such a perfect person to ask this question to. So conceptually, like you, uh, I've listened to wonderful speakers on audiobooks, uh, read their books since I was a very, very young person. And I've always been so inspired and always heard this concept of like, you know, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life, et cetera. Like all those types of quotes, everything you're talking about right now. And as I've gotten older and as I've experienced moments of that reality, it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing. And I, and I want to share this short story of what happened this past week for me. Hmm. Right. So I was in Austin, Texas. And uh, I'm exploring kind of America with the whole family, the, the three kids and the woman. And uh, it, it, as it turns out, we're essentially like we were essentially homeless because our home was in New York City. Mm. And way before coronavirus blew up, I was like, we need to leave. We have to get out. So mm. we left way before stuff went down, uh, like a lot of people in New York did. Mm -hmm. And uh, we went to my dad's house for a while in Orlando for seven weeks, went to Austin. And as I'm in Austin and we're getting ready to leave and we, and we have to leave to go back to Florida and then hopefully back up to New York, uh, the George Floyd thing happens. Mm. And my family, uh, my, one of my greatest male figures in my entire life, my uncle is a Minneapolis police officer. Wow. So I'm immediately, I, you know, I'm texting him. I'm like, uh, most of my personality traits, I would say, come from him. Even though I didn't grow up with him around, he was just such a character for me to look up to mm -hmm. that if you, if him and I were in the same room, you'd be like, I totally get where Skip Kelly comes from now because of this man. Mm -hmm. I've taken so much from him. And so I was really worried. And I also run a group called the President's Club, which is a future group of U.S. presidents uh, that are very serious about getting into politics in the future. And we meet uh, once or twice a week for the next probably 15 years. And we've been meeting for a long time already. Wow. We bring in guests. It's, it's a long story, but basically I'm, I'm really passionate about improving the world. I'm really passionate about good people like yourself getting into politics, even if it's for two or four years. I know like really good, wise people don't want to get into politics because it can be really dirty. But mm -hmm. I think that's exactly why we need to get into politics and why all of us need to do our time, serve our time, so to speak, in the political realm so that it can be better. Mm -hmm. So when this George Floyd thing happened, when these protests started, I was like, I have to go. Like, I have to go to these protests. There's no choice for me. Mm -hmm. I will regret it and hate myself if I don't participate. 
And so we drove from Austin to Orlando over the course of three days in a Tesla because the charging takes forever with the kids screaming and fighting all the time, right? <laughs> we get to Orlando, I show up and I literally go out to the protests. Hmm. Um, I made a post about this. I made this great video and everything I, I'm really proud of. But basically, we knew there were potential threats in the crowd. Uh, they had tear gassed and rubber bulleted people. But uh, with all of that in mind, I, I still couldn't stay away. I was like, I have to go. I have mm -hmm. to learn. I have to speak to people. I have to be there. Mm -hmm. And so I went. Everything was fine. It was safe. There was some aggression, but I was able to stay out of it. And then I was so moved that I was like, I have to, I have to go to the biggest and safest place that I can for this. And that was D.C. Mm -hmm. I, I needed to go to the Capitol um, and I convinced the family and they were really, you know, great. And we all drove up here together and I, I got a safe place. And then the night we got here. I just had them drop me off at the protests and I stayed out for hours. Mm. Um, it was raining. It was intense. Um, but I got here and it was like a, it was like a battlefield. The next morning wow. I woke up, I ate and I went straight back out to the protest for the entire day, walked around. It was like 10 miles filming, uh, talking with people, communicating, and was just so inspired. And I could tell you the entire time, I don't know if I ate food. I drank just a little bit of water. And there was never a question of, am I tired? There was never a question of, should I be doing this? Mm. It was like, I'm in it. Mm. This is, this is what I'm here to do. This is my life. Like I would, there's nothing I would trade this for other than this situation not be happening. Right. Mm -hmm. But because it is happening, this is where I'm at and this is what I have to do. Right. And that is this, this experiential example of like in the heat, in the rain, walking around with my feet hurting, carrying all this camera gear, uh, sweating so much. Um, people are coughing. There's probably coronavirus. I've got mask on, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm marching with tens of thousands of people and there's, there's no other option for me. Right. There is no alternative. And I'm so fulfilled and happy in that moment. And that's what I think, you know, these flickering moments of, of true purpose are in life. And, and you can listen to that and do it, or you can listen to that and not do it. Mm -hmm. And they'll have very different consequences for your soul. Mm -hmm. So then my question for you after sharing that example is what have you found helping people and, and guiding people in the last decade? What can they do to have moments like this? What can they do when they have 15 interests and any one of them could lead them to moments like this? How do you narrow that down? What do you do? One, one of the things that we are not taught is to be self-aware, right? So from the time that you are, from the time that you're born, there's kind of always somebody else telling you what's supposed to be important, what's supposed to be scary, what you're supposed to be doing. There is no class in school that teaches you self-discovery, right? And so <clears throat> even the self-help industry focuses a lot on different tactics and things of that nature, but very few actually focus on who are you? What are you here for? Even though that's the question that everybody brings to that, that industry. And so <clears throat> the reason why I wanted to write the book that I did was because I realized that this was a question that I'd had all this time and I had never even thought to ask it for myself. It was intrinsic, it was, it was humming underneath the surface. And I say that because, <clears throat> to answer your question, the reason why most people are not ever to, able to experience those, those moments in life fully or 
in magnitude is because they don't know what their purpose is. They don't know, you know, they, we, in many ways, people stumble across it, right? And so because of that, you may stumble across something that you love, but you were not meant to do in that particular way. I liken it to someone who loves music but can't sing, right? So even though you love music, singing will not be beneficial for you in terms of an overall career. But you might be a writer, or you might be a musician, or you might be someone who's better suited to working with artists in some other capacity, right? If you understand what your gift is, it allows you to be around this thing that you love, but it also allows you to excel in the way that you are supposed to. So I, I liken it to um, using a Ferrari as a tractor, right? If you put a Ferrari in a farm field, yes, technically it has four wheels and it probably has an engine powerful enough to pull a plow. But ultimately, it's just going to make a mess and it's going to wear out the Ferrari, right? It's a luxury car. It's meant to be on the road. You put that, you put a tractor on a race course and it's not going to be able to perform. And when it hits the embankment, it's going to turn over because it's too top heavy and the wheels are too big. It's not designed for that. And what we are not taught how to do is to be, to be aware of our design. What is the thing that I do effortlessly? What is the thing that I do that creates the greatest impact without even having to think about it? You know, birds don't have to think about flight. They fly, you know. Water doesn't have to think about flowing. It flows. And so everything in nature is designed with a certain design to fulfill a certain purpose. But why do human beings believe that we are not? You know, you were designed to be able to translate the world in a particular way. You're drawn to it. And I talk about that as one of the one of the nine steps, one of the nine keys for being able to discover your gift is that, you know, there is a there is a, a magnetism towards a certain thing. You have a certain attention to detail. There is a calling that 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 thing reaches out to you. And it could be storytelling, it could be um, helping other people tell their stories, whatever it is, you're, you're drawn to it. You know, like you noticed you didn't sleep, right? You didn't eat. You don't know if you ate or not. And these are human needs. But in the moment when you are walking fully in your gift, there, there is no higher need. Your body compensates, right? That's why you store the fat. Because if you're in fight or flight, you need to be able to run. But when you are, when you are really in flow, when you're really fulfilling your gift to the utmost ability that you, that you have, it's going to create a space for you to be able to operate at a high level without all the other distractions, other needs. You don't even notice it. And so you're asking me, how do people get into that? We have to start being able to tap into our gift, understand who you are. What is my design? It's not just what you're passionate about, but, but you have to marry that passion with the impact. How do you create an impact that's so exponential that it reverberates around you so that people are coming back to you saying, I can't believe that you did this, but it, it touched me in a profound way. It resonated with me. Uh, when you start doing that, you start to realize that there is a bigger purpose to what you do and that your passion has a purpose and that it can sustain you because it's designed to, you know, you will become that Ferrari on the racetrack. 
revving at high RPM because you are operating in your gift, in your truest gift. And you said there were nine steps. I'm assuming that's outlined in Breaking Orbit, your book? Yes. Could you speed me through just the like the one sentence of each step, if you can remember it off the top of your head or if you the book's nearby? I have the book nearby. Actually, let me pull it up on my on my laptop because I don't I don't want to get them out of order. Of course. Yep. But um, the thing the th the first key is um, forgiveness, and uh, that sounds mm. like a it sounds like a strange thing to. Um, oh God, that's just so good. Yeah, some people may say, "Well, why why would you say forgiveness? Why is that important?" I actually. Like, yeah, I actually, I want to switch my question. Okay. I would love if you could run us through the nine steps simply, mm -hmm. but I would also love if you could tell me about your journey through the nine steps. Okay. Okay. Um, <clears throat> let me think how to do that. Well, let me, let me first, let me get them. Cause then I want to relate it to, to myself. I'll speed you through them and then we'll, we'll... Or or if you want, you can tell me one at a time mm -hmm. and I can... I already have great questions, I'm sure, um, that can help you answer that in a, in a succinct, powerful way. Okay. So, yeah, number one is forgiveness. So my question is... No, it's not. What did... Num number oh, one is not oh. forgiveness. I got it. I, see, I knew I was going to get it missed out. There's, there's one I'm... Someone I always think about, but there's, there's one that is... There's a couple of those before that. So the first one is acceptance you have to accept that you have a gift and that's a hard thing to do for me personally um i don't want to get ahead of you because i want you to remember your questions but for me personally the the moment when my coach <clears throat> told me that there was a solution that god doesn't make people without solutions it was powerful for me because it i i began to slowly realize wait that i am special too you know, I think all of us have an inkling that we're special in some way, but most of us, if we're lucky enough, blessed enough to have parents, <clears throat> we, the specialness comes because we are their children. So our parents tell us how special we are, or they love us, or I love you because you're my child. It's a particular specialness to a particular person, not a specialness to the world. And so to be able to accept that you have something that is infinitely more powerful and can have impact on so many people is a very powerful thing. It's a very powerful concept. And it's something that many people struggle with over and over again. They abuse themselves because they don't see the value in who they are. And understand the intrinsic value that we all have, this, this created value, this powerful exponential value is so, so, so important. And so that's why acceptance is, is, is the very first thing that you have to do. You have to be able to accept that you have a gift. Beautiful. So the second thing. And, and, and something to add to that as well. Mm -hmm. I have a friend, uh, a, a very, very close friend who's an orphan. Mm. And his lack of true parents involved in his life is his gift and is his unique mm. thing. So it's interesting where it's like you, 
you cannot avoid being gifted. Mm. No. Whatever it is that you came from is the gift. That is so that is a slightly different version of what I mean, but it but it is true. So 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 much of our environment empowers us in our gift, right? And but what happens is the story that we create around it can be either negative or positive. And our acceptance of that story, our belief in that story, the fact that your friend doesn't see his orphan status as a as a negative, but that it is a superpower for him is a powerful, powerful thing. It's a great place to come from because it allows him to speak to those who, whether they've had parents or not, always also feel that way because many people feel like orphans. Many people feel like they don't have anyone over them to cover them, to lead them. They have no direction, right? That's, that's a certain way that they go throughout the world. And um, that is a very powerful way of showing up for your friend and for, for, for many other people as well. Beautiful. And what's number two? Number two is consult the manufacturer. Now, I'm, I'm a, a person of faith. I believe in God. Um, but whether or not you do, consult the manufacturer simply means look at your design, <clears throat> right? Um, if, you are, if you're a human being, there are so many amazing things about us that we are still just uncovering and tapping into. And so many things that we accept about ourselves that are not true that when we start to kind of discover or, or dissect biology and psychology and quantum physics, we start to understand our, our capacity to be able to create and to absorb and to adjust and adapt. Um, when you start to consult the, man, the, the manual, if you will, for humanity, the operations manual, and understand your own unique personal design, <clears throat> it allows you to be able to to, to understand that you're unique in the way that you can do things in a way that no one else is, right? And so as you start to uncover those layers, it allows you to be more present and more powerful in who you are, right? So it's, a, it's almost like a, a second layer of acceptance because you accept that you have a gift, but then you accept the design of your gift, right? You start to say that, oh, this thing is I'm not flawed, kind of like what we said about your friend who is the orphan, right? But then there are also the fact that you're blonde or you're a man or you're a woman or that you're whatever ethnicity or that you are um, what some people believe to be introverts or extroverts or that you have a particular interest in certain things. All of these things matter because they matter to you because you are designed particularly for them to matter, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so what's number three? So number three, and I'll, I'll run through these a little more quickly. Um, absolution, and that's forgiving yourself. So forgiving yourself and forgiving others. One of the hardest things to do is that uh, we tend to beat ourselves up for who we are, the way that we are designed, the way that um, we've, we've existed in the world, things that have happened or that have happened to us. <clears throat> we tend to absorb guilt or shame around those things. And so being able to forgive yourself frees you up for your gift to begin to able to, to flow. Also forgiving others for what they have done to you all empowers you to say that you can now take ownership over your life. A lot of people live in this state of blame <clears throat> because it allows them to deflect from the responsibility of owning 
their own power, right? Or from the fact that they feel they are powerless. And so blame is a, is a way of being powerful, but it restricts you from being able to, to use your gift because your gift is not for you. It's for the world. Um, it is in, in sharing your gift with the world that you receive the benefit of your gift, right? In, in, in the highest level. So being able to, to realize that people don't owe you anything, but a, you really owe the world the opportunity to be exposed to your gift. Because when you do that, you're showing up at your highest level as your best self. So forgiveness is, is number three. Number four is about instinct. So understand what comes naturally to you. We all have things that we are naturally more drawn to. Kind of like you're drawn to um, storytelling through visual medium, whether it's through um, pictures or, or um, videography or, or editing, whatever the case may be. There are different elements to it, but what comes naturally to you? What are you naturally drawn to? What are the things that you really care the most about? And then here's one that's really powerful to me um, is to understand your affliction, right? What is your greatest peeve or pain? What are the things that really cause you the greatest sense of pain? And I don't mean that, excuse me, I don't mean that in terms of I don't mean that in terms of things that have happened to you as terms of events, right? I mean that in terms of when you look at the world, where are the things that hurt your heart the most? Because those things are the things that will, those things are the things that will allow you to show up, right? To have more empathy, to have more impact. Because that, the reason why it bothers you so much is because you are, you, the solution is within you to be able to solve that thing. And so many of us, instead of complaining about the things that are in the world, if we started to flip it on its head and realize, oh, my gift is my ability to solve this very thing that drives me crazy, right? It gets under my skin because under my skin is where the solution is. And so, mm. so when you can step into your affliction, Right. And understand what that is. It allows you to be able to 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 operate at a higher level, their highest level possible. And then closely tied to that is number six, your awakening. What makes you feel alive? Right. Um, <clears throat> and the, the so wait, it was. Uh, so the first stage was acceptance. Mm -hmm. Right. And then it was um, consult the manufacturer. Yes. And then it was uh, forgiveness, absolution. Yes. And then it was instinct was number four. Yes. And what's number five? Because I think we went from four to six. Oh, I'm sorry. No, five is affliction. So that's what's your greatest pain? Affliction. Oh, pain. Yes, yes, yes pain. And then six is. <clears throat> and so number six is awakening, right? What makes you feel alive? And, um, <clears throat> excuse me. One of the things that we are kind of taught to do is to turn that part of ourselves off. Right. We're taught that life is supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be a grind. Uh, you mentioned earlier about how people believe that what they're passionate about cannot be the thing that sustains them, cannot be a source of, uh, of revenue and, and a livelihood. And what <clears throat> what I want people to understand is that the thing that makes you feel alive makes you feel alive for a reason. You know, um, life is not about suffering and being a burden. Um, it's meant to fill us with joy. And so when you find, when you're walking in your gift, you will feel the most alive that you ever felt, right? 
um, when you're interacting with people, when you're giving, when you're sharing. All these things are part of it, but when you really understand your gift and when you're really walking in that, it's going to invigorate you in a way. So again, like when you, when you went to DC, you could have been up for days because you were completely dialed into to what you were doing. You were operating in your highest self, right? I imagine that when you're editing something, you're able to, to knock it out, you know, much more quickly because you were able to focus on that thing, but it, the, everything about it enlivened you and made you feel more more powerful uh, which kind of ties into number seven which is attention where's your greatest attention to detail and so a lot of us when we're in school we're taught that we're taught that every subject is supposed to matter equally right and so if you get good grades across the board then you're supposedly a great student um, but some people are naturally going to be better or more drawn to other things than others, right? So some people love math, some people love science or history or physics or biology. So where's your greatest attention to detail? Because those things matter, matter the most um, to you because that's how you were designed. That's where your gift lies. That's the core, the center of your gift. And so it's, it's a powerful way to show up when we start to pay attention to the things that we pay attention to. What is it that you notice more than others? If you notice a Mozart is going to pay attention to different details in a Picasso, right? Or a Michelangelo, or, or an Oprah Winfrey, or a Helen Keller. And part of that is because of their design and their gift. And so when you are showing up in your gift, that attention to detail begins to pay off in powerful ways. Number eight is your ability. And where do your greatest strengths lie? Um, your ability is not your gift, but your abilities and your talents give you a clue to where your gift lies, right? And so when you are, because we've confused talents and gifts, a lot of focus has been on helping people to find their strengths. And there are multiple choices for strength assessments and things like that, but none are, none are really geared to helping an individual find their core gift. There's a, but there's still a benefit in exploring your gifts and your strengths as an individual. So um, I, I use the example, you know, the book is called Breaking Orbit, but I use the example of a rocket. You know, um, its design is, is about being able to pierce the Earth's atmosphere to be able to go further. And it's about speed and it's about power. And all those things are, are, it has certain abilities, and those abilities are built into its design. And so when we study the design and we study its abilities, then we learn what it's capable of doing, but we also understand its purpose better. And so that is all the wrapping that entails your gift. So when you start putting all these different layers together, all these nine keys together, then it starts to be able to unpack that for you and to give you a better sense of, of what that means. And number nine, lastly, is your effect, the effect. Where is your area of greatest impact? How do you impact people um, the most? For me, um, I realize that my areas of impact happen when I'm writing, when I'm speaking to people, when I'm coaching them. Um, when I'm able to think and translate meaning from people, then it, it, that's when I'm able to show up in my, in, my, in my highest self and when I'm having the most impact. And people tell me that because they, they send me messages and say, this book really impacted me. Oh, I love how you phrased that in that video. Or when you were speaking, that, that really set, made things clear for me in a particular way that I'd never seen it before. 
So that let me know I'm operating in my gift because I'm having my greatest impact when I'm showing up in this way. And that's something else that we're not taught. We're taught that you should get a job or pursue a path because it makes the most money or because it's practical or because it's safe and you'll always have a job in this area or because you're a woman and this is what women do or that you're you're a boy and these are what boys do or because you're you, your ethnicity you know this this is what what our people do but your gift is so much more than any of those things your gift is about the impact that you have in the world and when we start helping people to dial in on that then we create an exponential reverberation of impact around the world because everybody is operating where they're supposed to be and they're having the most impact, they're having the greatest effect that they can possibly have. So does, does that make sense? It's it's just incredible. Um, this is, I, I want to ask permission to, uh, at some point in the near future, I was thinking about doing a video, a series of videos of different uh, things people could use, different systems or methodologies to find their purpose. Mm -hmm. And I've known many of these. And I think this nine steps stands toe to toe with anything I've ever heard and learned about um, to help people uh, find that and to have a variety of tools and strategies, I think is really valuable. So then, but I, I have another question that I think is uh, just your mind blowingly perfect to answer, which is, for the you know, 15, 12, 12 year old to let's say 26 year old crowd, mm -hmm. what we've already talked about is gonna change their life. Mm -hmm. So my question is for the, let's say the 30s, 40s, 50s, even 60s or 70s crowd, for the people that think it's too late to change careers, the people that think that they've walked away from their passion, their intuition, their instinct, all mm -hmm. of this for too long to start, mm -hmm. You were 40 when you started this new iteration of your career and your passion. Mm -hmm. what, what do you have to say uh, to them if they're listening? Uh, that's a, a great question. It's, um, it's something I talk about in the book as well. The fact that we believe that um, our time has passed us by. But when your gift is in you, there's no such thing as a time has passed. Your gift will work and it will be exponentially powerful for as long as you are alive, as long as you use it. Once you discover it, there, you can be two or you can be 72, or you can be 102. Your gift still has impact. Now, the, the wrapping around it may be immature or overly mature, if you will, but it doesn't matter. Um, your gift has the capacity that it has, and it will always have the capacity, and it is infinite because it's, it's the core of who you are, it's your identity. And so many of us don't realize that because we believe, one, either that we don't have a gift or that it's based on the things that we do. And again, I, I think maybe if you go back to the ninth key, the effect, the, the impact, if you look at your impact, you, if you, your gift is ability to be as creative, to create that effect, right? And so how you create the effect is only based on or limited by your imagination, which is why an old, a senior individual can still have an impact on the world with the wisdom and sharing things through their, through their experience, right? As long as they decide they wanna show up, whether it's speaking to other kids or reading, or if it's still drawing, or if it's 
singing or composing music or whatever that case may be, whatever your vehicle is for sharing your gift, it doesn't go away. Your gift doesn't disappear. Like I say this for people who, and maybe there are those who don't believe in God, right? But for me, I think of God in a very loving way because what kind of God would give a gift to you and then never show you how to use it, never give you the capacity to use it in whatever way? I think he gave it to us because he wants us to use it in infinite ways because even he wants to be surprised by the ways that we we show up with it. Like, oh, wow, that's really cool how you combine those things of this element, those different elements. It's our way of powering through our experiences. It's our way of creating meaning out of the experiences that we have. What you did when you went to D.C. was that you created another layer of meaning for an event that, while it is, is, is powerful, for some people is very painful, right? But there's, there's a level of meaning that needed to be shared so that somebody who's never really experienced either the pain of being black in America or the pain of having suffered police brutality or simply the confusion of being in a world that is changing so rapidly from maybe a young person's perspective or an older person's perspective. Now they can see this through a different lens and it gives them more meaning. And so that's your way of showing up. And you don't have, you could have, you could do that whether you are five years old or you could do this whether you're 95 years old. It doesn't matter. Your gift is for you and it's for the world. And as long as you're alive, as long as your heart is beating, as long as you have breath in your body, you can still be able to share this with the world and create an impact that will change people's lives. Wow. I'm going to let that one sit for a second. So I have... 57 more questions for you now that we've been talking and I and I've learned so much more about you and your philosophies and I think one or two are very relevant um, for this first first pass because we're, we're definitely going to have to to film again because I these other questions are just so so valuable for people so the first question is when you were 40 and you decided you have a three-year-old daughter at that point uh, one child and you're like you know what I'm going to become a business coach and I'm going to turn this wisdom spreading thing into uh, a form of career. What did your life look like at that point? What did this process look like for you? Were you scared? Were you inspired? Um, just kind of describe that to me because I think it'll be really inspiring for people to hear how you, um, this, you know, now incredibly wise, uh, very mature coach, like what did it look like back then? Oh, man, it, that was a, uh, I'm going back in my mind to kind of absorb that, that period in time. And, you know, I had the, I had the, at the time, my wife, um, she's an audiologist and she works um, testing uh, the hearing of veterans. And so she was the one that was working full time. I was at home with our daughter. And. I was still trying to just figure it out, you know? And so it was, I was still in my cloud. I was still in that fog. I hadn't figured out that this was my gift yet, that this was the purpose that I was supposed to be stepping into. And it was, it was a challenge because as a man, we have this image of ourselves as a provider, right? 
I need to be making money and bringing this into the home. And to my wife's credit, you know, I love her so much because she, she's been so supportive of me. She never made me feel like um, I was less of a man or that I had to be doing anything in particular. You know, you've got to get out here and get this job and do this kind of thing. We, we, we struggled with so much less than we could have had had we had the two household income or had I figured out something that was more lucrative. Um, and so in that period of time, it was, it was a blessing in disguise because the amount of, you know, uh, Malcolm Gladwell talks about the 10,000 hour rule, right? And outliers and things of that nature. And I realized looking back that that was my 10,000 hours. I was reading, I was watching videos, I was listening to podcasts and webinars of these amazing people, and I was absorbing so much information from all these different directions. And so now I have this wealth of wisdom to be able to pour out, and it's not necessarily mine, it's just that I'm a translator for that, for people. I can listen to what they're, they're saying and what they're going through, and I can become a portal through which they can step and be able to say... Um, to create a prism, a framework for them to be able to reimagine, to, re, to, to reframe the purpose, perspective of their lives. And I can do that because I had to go through that process too. I went through that painful process of, of beating myself up because I couldn't figure out what was special about me. I couldn't figure out what I was meant to be able to do. I know so many men, especially, that are going through that period. I've, I've seen them just just grind their gears trying to be quote unquote successful. And then even when they get to that success level, they can't find that significance. And so for me, I was being able to, I was able to begin to marry the two into a path, realizing that I just need to start being significant, sharing meaning with the world. And that meaning and significance creates a level of success for me right? That, that is success. Success is showing up as you were meant to show up in the world. And I say that in the book that, you know, when you're walking in your gift, that is success. Um, and so for me, the, the, the transition to that period, like writing the book was very cathartic for me. Um, as I was writing the book and in this process of discovery, what I did was I had a series of conversations with people, with my wife, uh, friends of mine, because I wanted to make sure that I was on the right path. I didn't want to just write this book and put it out and, you know, hope that it was impactful for people. And the conversations that I had let me know that I was on the right journey and that in having this journey, what it did for me was it liberated me to say, okay, this is, this is, this matters. This has significance. And it came through me. I, I felt sometimes overwhelmed that God had chosen me to allow this message to come through, you know, because I hadn't heard it anywhere else. And it, it doesn't mean that other versions or, or ideas about giftedness or about success are, are, are wrong. It just means that in this particular way, the way that it resonated for me and the way that I believe I've been given to share with the world, I think that it can help so many people because it allowed them to reframe their entire lives, right? It's not about getting to someplace. Um, as, as, as my, my um, coach, Rich Litvin says, it's, it's, a, it's a place to come from, right? And that's transformational. I wanna do uh, kind of our, our wrap up and introduction, but I wanted to ask you, 
I, I was torn on whether or not we should talk about the current events and because it could be a very, it could be, you know, two hours on its own, I think, because I've read some of your posts about it. I've been very active about it and everything, and it's, it's super relevant. So I'll leave it uh, up to your decision if you want to, if you want to get into this and talk about this at all, um, at least as like a, a beginning note that we could continue later for people, because I know we both have strong beliefs. Um, there's a value system that we've placed on people based on their skin color. And so what we're seeing is that we don't know how to really value people and we're afraid of them or we distrust them because of these labels that we put on each other. And what, how transformational would it be if we were able to recognize the gift in other people to see everybody as valuable because they all have a gift. How easy would it be for you to kneel on someone's neck for eight and a half minutes if you saw them as somebody with a powerful, unique gift that was necessary for the world? How, how easy would it be for you to tear down other people to minimize them or to, to, um, to, 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 to ostracize them when we, when we recognize that you have a gift, how, how easy would it be to say, oh, you're a woman, you can't do this? When we recognize that every woman, every man, every child has a gift that the world needs that has a very powerful and specific purpose. Who are we to rob the world of someone else's gift because of the label that we put on them? And so that, to me, speaks to the, to the essence of this, this argument. That's what we're really, that's what we're really fighting for. We're, we're saying, what is a life? What is the value of a life? You know, I, I made a post the other day. I said, you know, when, when America was created, you know, black people were in the Constitution termed as three-fifths human. It was a legal document that qualified our value as a human being. It was only three-fifths. And today we have people say that black lives matter and people will say, well, we can't even agree that you matter at all. Well, all lives matter. So saying black lives matter is a controversial statement. But all humanity matters, yes. And every, every human matters uniquely. White people matter uniquely. Black people matter uniquely, but not because of the color of our skin, but because of the gift that is inside that skin. And until we can start to recognize that gift and the value that it has, what we are doing is we are robbing each other, robbing ourselves, robbing the world. We're stealing from our future. We're stealing from our present. We're, even, we, we're stealing from our past. The, thing, the lessons that we could have learned when we simply stay in this state of denying that everyone has a gift. And so I... I I'm not a, the type of person that's going to sit there and say, you know, we just come together in Kumbaya and everything is going to be okay. You know, there are real structural issues that must be addressed. But even on a more fundamental level, on a human and soul level, we all have an intrinsic value that is being denied and that many of us are walking through life because we and in ourselves don't feel valuable. And so we tear down others to make ourselves feel more, more valuable. And when you have people that are competing for any significance at all, then no one is significant. 
any life can be disposable, right? But when everyone has a gift, every life is valuable, and then you promote that, right? We are promoting the life of children because they have a gift and they're significant, not because they're young and they're cute, because cuteness fades and they get older and they have to use deodorant and then they get opinions and then they become people, adults. And so are they no longer valuable? No, your gift is the same as when you were born to the time that you die. And in between, the only connecting thread is how you show up in that thing, how you use it, how you empower the world. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for flowing with me and uh, and coming on. And I absolutely am looking forward to a round two, hopefully in person. That would be incredible. Mm, that would and be good. I am I am stoked for two things: to a continue to stalk your content, <laughs> and b uh, to pick up um, breaking orbit. Uh, I'm very curious about the book now, and I'm really excited to dig into it. I think I'll order that along with The Buddha and the Badass from Vision. And by the way, Rich <laughs> Litvin is a friend of mine. Oh, wow. So um, that's a, an interesting uh, you know, thread going through here. And it makes so much sense when you said that he's your coach, uh, the way that you speak and, and what you talk about. You guys definitely fit well together. Well, and let me tell you something interesting about that. I call him my coach. Because I read his book and I consume his content. I listen to his podcast. I've never actually met him, but I've got my plan is to be in his mastermind uh, soon, one day. And um, but uh, and to that point, you know, I just I, I take it that you can you can absorb wisdom from anyone. And he's had a profound impact on my life the way he's shown up. So um, it's a really great. It's obvious then why we connected because the thread, you know, of of connection is there. So that's great. And. And I would love to highlight something that you just stated for all the viewers and listeners, which is Rich Litvin is your coach, mm -hmm. even if you do not meet and regularly coach. Um, you know, I have so many mentors in life and, you know, many of them I've never met in person, mm -hmm. but I've consumed so much of the wisdom they've put out there that it's like we have this relationship and, and you know, you recognize that in your own life where mm -hmm. when I go to something like a Mindvalley University and, and I have a person come up to me and they're like, Oh my God, Skip, you know, you've really helped in all these different areas of my life. And I'm like, mm -hmm. that's incredible. And it's like, I'm so honored to be uh, a coach or a mentor or an inspiration or whatever it is I can be for them. And yes. I, and I know you're the same and I know Rich is going to love to see this mm -hmm. and he's going to, you know, feel very honored as well to have uh, contributed to someone like you. So thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I hope we get around to soon. And um, I, I have it. the last question, which is when people fall in love with you, how can they find you? How can they find out more about you? Well, I'm, I'm easy to find. Uh, FrederickBussey.com is my website. <clears throat> um, Frederick.Bussey on Instagram, FrederickBussey on Facebook, FrederickBussey on Twitter. Uh, send me a message in any of these places. I'm happy to connect with people. I love to... Uh, not just hear about the impact that I'm having in your life, um, but I love to hear people's stories. Um, I love to be able to share the stories of resilience and triumph that come from the human experience. Um, people stepping into their gift and their power. 
It's so inspirational. It's inspirational for me because, you know, as you know, we don't always wake up every morning raring and ready to go. You know, we're not always feeling like we're showing up um, at 100 percent. You know, a lot of days we're playing hurt and um, that inspiration can be the pick me up that allows me to show up for somebody else. You know, so um, we're all connected in that way. Uh, If you want to pick up the book Breaking Orbit, it's on Amazon.com. Breaking Orbit, Rip Out of the Regular by Unearthing the Power Within. And uh, those, are the, those are the main ways that you can connect with me. Beautiful. Well, thank you. And I look forward to seeing all the comments. Thank you, Skip, for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. <laughs>